You may want to turn to the first chapter of Colossians. I'll be there in a bit. I have been fascinated this week with the things that that the Holy Spirit has taught me about a word that, that I thought I knew. We talk about Jesus and the nativity scene, the manger scene, this time of the year. But you know, myself, I've heard it so many times I could almost recite it word for word. And I don't want to talk about the Jesus this morning of 2,000 or so years ago. I want to talk about the Jesus of today. There is a concept that is taught in the Bible that we need to get a hold of because it's one of the few ways that we have of dealing with our lives. And it's the concept of today. You know, it says in Genesis 1-1 that in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. And then it says that the first day He created light, daylight. And the evening and the morning were the first day. God divided things up into days for us. He's not divided like that. He has, he's not bound by time nor space. But he chose to, to delineate us, to limit us from one day to the other. To divide 24 hours by a time of darkness and a time of light. And he teaches the concept of us living one day at a time. He says in Exodus, and instructing us how to pray, says, Give us this day our daily bread. We're not even told to pray for what we eat more than one day at a time. Now, something as important as eating, if it can only be prayed for one day at a time, what about all these other things we have to deal with? Paul says, I don't look on things that are before, that are past, but I press on toward the mark today. Don't worry about yesterday, worry about today, if you're going to worry about anything. And tomorrow's troubles are sufficient there unto themselves, so you don't have to worry about tomorrow. In Hebrews chapter 3 and verse 13, it says, Exhort one another today. Encourage one another. One day at a time. And it says today, if ye hear his voice, talking about the day, if you hear Jesus speak to you through the Holy Spirit, With that in our minds, since we were saved, we have been internally wired to heaven. Like using computer language, 
God put the Holy Spirit in us that allows us to not only concentrate on heaven, be have heaven access to us through this Holy Spirit that lives inside of us. We've got a 24-hour connection to heaven forever. Forever. We've got free communication with heaven. We can pray anytime. And we can get instruction anytime. The Bible talks about the Holy Spirit guiding us under all truth. The Holy Spirit testifies, it says, of Jesus in the book of John and teaches and convicts and reproves us of our sin. It works with our conscience to tell us you're not doing the right thing. Change your what you're doing. He guides us to all truth, it says. And it says that the Holy Spirit, He receives the things of Jesus and shows them to us. Now you, some of you may remember when Anthony was teaching on Thursday night, he gave us that access that night that when I pray, the Holy Spirit grabs my prayer and it changes it to whatever it needs to be and then carries it to Jesus who is sitting on the throne on the right hand of God and then Jesus gives instructions to the Holy Spirit for what we're to do. And if he doesn't know what we're supposed to do, then he asks God, God tells him what what the answer to our prayer should be. He tells the Holy Spirit then, and the Holy Spirit comes and tells us inside what the answer to our prayer is. That's the way that thing works. And it says they speak in a special language that nobody else can understand. That's the way it works. Without the Holy Spirit, I can't communicate with heaven at all. The Holy Spirit and Jesus hears all our prayers, all our thoughts, automatically. It says that Jesus knows what we'll think about before it ever even comes into our mind. Now think about that for a moment. The Holy Spirit works for Jesus and with Jesus to accomplish what God has for us to do. We've got that communication power with the throne room of heaven. And think about this for a moment too. And I've been studying this stuff for two weeks now. And think about 
See, see, God is invisible. He's never had a shape. Nobody's ever seen him. Nobody's ever seen the Holy Spirit. The Bible used the terms for them as in the Greek is breath, and in the Hebrew is wind. You can't see the wind, but nobody could convince you there's no such thing. You know it's there, but you can't see it. But you can see what it does when it blows a limb, when it blows a flag, when it comes like a tornado and blows a house down. You know what it does, you just can't see it. The Spirit's like that. And God is like that. You can't see Him. I imagine myself, see, Jesus became flesh like me. I can see Him. And when He went back to heaven, He kept that flesh. He's still in the same shape He was in when He walked down here on this earth. So He's sitting there in the throne, in the throne room of God. And I guess there's another throne there, a throne for God, but if He's sitting in it, you can't see Him. You ever think about that kind of stuff? Maybe you're not as weird as I am. But I wonder what it looks like in the throne room of heaven. And out of all that God has given us when he placed the Holy Spirit inside of us, the only thing that can give us a bad connection is our sin. (laughs) The only thing that can keep us from communicating is our sin. To keep a clear channel, we need to keep asking forgiveness for our sins at least on a daily basis. Romans 8 said, The Holy Spirit maketh intercession with our prayers. We don't know how to pray, so He prays for us. When He hears what we want, then he's the one that speaks to Jesus. It says in Romans 8.34 that Christ makes intercession for us. Now think of this, please, because all of this is getting to a place where I need to tell you about something. If Christ is making intercession for us and the Holy Spirit is taking over every prayer we say. And Philippians chapter 3 says, Jesus corrects every single misunderstanding we have about the Bible. That's all done automatically, folks. He says in the 37th Psalm that the steps of a good man are guided by the Lord. Though he stumble, which in the Hebrew means go to your knees, you won't be able to go to your face because God will catch you with his hand before you get that far. That's Jesus. See, in the Bible there's two words I know of that you have to look at the context to know which they're talking about. One of those words is angel, and one of those words is God. 
when it says God, you don't know whether he's talking about Jehovah God or Jesus God. Of course, Jesus is part of Jehovah. The Holy Spirit is too, so I don't guess it makes that much difference. But in some cases, it does. The other thing, it says angel. That can be either heaven's angels or Satan's angels, demons. And you've got to look at the context where you see the word angel to know which ones it's talking about. So we'll see some things today that I thought before that God did himself and find out that Jesus has been doing it all the time. He promises to Jesus, promises to catch every prayer and to put words in our mouth if we don't know what to say. Jesus monitors our every breath. Now that, if he does that with at least the saved folks in the world, but I got the idea this week, he does it with everybody. He can do that. And that blows my mind. But I want to show you a scripture in the first chapter of Colossians, there's only three verses. And I'd like for you to be able to understand those three verses if I could before we leave out of here this morning. The first verse in the first chapter of Colossians is verse 15. Jesus is the image of the invisible God. He looks just like God the Father. He is just like God the Father. The firstborn of every creature. Jesus was here before any of the creation was here. That's what that word creature means. Creature is those that have been created. So Jesus was here with the Father. If you want to get a first-hand account of it, Go to 17th chapter of John when he prays back to his father and he says, God, now that I've done what you sent me to do here on this earth, please allow me to go back to where I was before I came down here and have all the glory that I had when it was just me and you. So Jesus was here before anything was created. Verse 16, for by him, who? Jesus. Were all things created. It was Jesus that created the world. Jesus, on that first morning, created that he was the God that created everything. For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. 
Did you know that? Did you realize that? It makes a difference. It really does, or you wouldn't have put it here. Verse 17. And he is before all things. Now let me tell you about that word before. That word before mean, has two meanings. One is, in a chronological sense, he was here before, he said again, before anything else was. So he preceded all of the creation. But the second meaning of it is that he has authority over all things. It says in the 28th chapter of Matthew, right before Jesus told us the, 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 the great commission to go and teach, he says, I have been given all authority in heaven and in earth. God turned everything over to his son. And he did that back when there wasn't anybody but him and the boy. <laughs> him and Jesus. He turned everything over to Jesus. I thought for a long time I was praying to God the Father, but I don't. I pray to Jesus. I know that now, and there's no shadow of doubt in my mind about it. But now the next phrase, just like the concept that's taught in the Bible of today, the next phrase is a concept taught by the Bible that I didn't know in its entirety. I didn't. And by him, all things consist. By Jesus, all things that he created consist. I was hoping David would be here this morning because he and I have talked. I found out he's some kind of scientist. I mean, when you just small talk with David, he talks about the smallest particles of matter is an atom. And an atom is made up of a neutron and a proton and an electron. And the atoms of the world with every bit of mass, everything that creates mass that you can touch, that has a shape, is made up of atoms. And those atoms are held together by magnetism. I had a scientist come to a church we had one time and talk about in Second Peter when he talks about that everything in the earth will pass away and all the heavens will melt and there will be a new heaven and a new earth from, the, from scratch. It melts, it says over there. And when you go to looking up the definition of the Bible term that it used, pass away, you find out that what he's talking about is the same definitions as this word consist. This word consist is the only time it's used in the whole Bible. This one time right here. That's the only time it's used. And so it created a great curiosity for me and I probably spent a day and a half just studying, trying to figure out exactly all the things that this one word means. 
The Bible definition of the word consist, first off, is be. B-E. That's it. That word means that you be. The second definition is that it holds things together. Now, if I understand my little bit of science that I had and physics and whatnot, everything is held together by the magnetism of the inside of the atom, the smallest particle in mass. Atoms go together to make up particles. Particles go together to make up wood and metal and skin and everything about you and me, hair and everything else. They're all made up of the same things to start with. The words from 2 Peter, the Bible definition is the initial contents. What this means, folks, is this. Jesus created all creation for him and it was done by him. And he did it for himself. The third definition of this word consist is it enables us to exist. Further study will show you that what it talks about and given all its ramifications and whatnot is this. If Jesus Christ today ceased to be Jesus Christ, if he was no longer Jesus Christ, we and everything he created would disintegrate. The neutron, the proton, the electron that's inside an atom are not as big as a speck of dust. It talks about us going back to dust. That's what it's talking about. We come apart. So now the thing that, I'm, that, that has made such an impression on me is this. Well, we like to go to church because we see Jesus. We find Jesus there. I like to pray because I can find Jesus. Let me tell you something. If Jesus wasn't in you and being who he is, you wouldn't be. By his life in that throne, in the throne room of heaven, by his very life, we exist. We are held together. Science holds us together as a body shape because Jesus is Jesus. I didn't realize that. You don't go anywhere to see Jesus because Jesus is as much of you as your finger is, your brain is, your insides of you. 
That's what holds us together. What makes our body is Jesus himself. And when you find Jesus, you don't find Jesus. You realize in your mind exactly what the Bible is talking about. That's what it is. He's been that all along. He's been doing what he's been doing all along. And if he quit doing what he's doing, and if he quit being what he's being, we would all explode. That's what's going to happen to the earth when Jesus creates a new heaven and a new earth. It's going to come apart at the smallest basic composite of science that it can. We're going to disintegrate, completely disappear. Maybe we'll be a little pile of dust on the ground, <laughs> but the wind will blow it away. We'll return to nothing. And by him, all things consist. We are dependent on Christ being who Christ is in order for us to be who we are. We can't be who we are without Christ being who he is. That's about as close as you can get to anybody. Initial constituents. That's the word element that's used in the Bible. The word element that is used over in Second Peter talking about what will happen to the earth. He used the term elements. I remember that in chemistry. You remember every the board on the wall had all the different elements and their numbers and everything? Remember that? The initial constituents, the things that were there first, those little bitty things. And Jesus does all these things that he promised he'd do with us automatically. Now there's something that connected me to all of this that probably doesn't, maybe it's not a personal connection with you, maybe it is, I don't know. But everything works so closely with each other. I can't find anything wrong with the Bible. I can't find anything in the Bible that doesn't fit. Ephesians said, it's fitly joined together, the body is. Our body and the body of Christ is that way too. The church. Let me tell you about something. In designing us, Jesus knew some things. It's no big deal to him. I don't know if you know it or not, but you have a brain and a spinal cord that cannot be injured. You've heard of that. 
your brain and your spinal cord will not heal itself. Once it's damaged, it's damaged. Then you've got nerves that go out from the brain and the spinal cord called peripheral nerves that make up your body. Most of them, except those of the vagus nerve, are on command. When I decide to crook my finger, my brain says, tell the muscles in the finger, that right index finger, to, to contract and they'll curl it. It's on command. I can reach and pick up stuff because those nerves are on command. The brain and the spinal cord does things without you telling it to do anything. The pupils in your eyes will get bigger or smaller according to the light that's shined on it. It does it automatically. You don't have to tell it anything. When you eat, your food is digested. That's automatic. It works that way. Well, in me, after 55 years as a type 1 diabetic, I have lost some of my nervous central jobs that it does in normal people. I don't know whether you've ever heard, probably Philip has, but a term called gastroparesis, where your stomach has partial paralysis. You don't do your digestion in your stomach. 90% of your digestion takes place in your colon. And until your food gets out of your stomach and into your colon, you can't digest anything. Now when I check my sugar, my sugar's 100. And so I can eat certain things. So I eat them, they go down my throat into my stomach, and unless they come out of my stomach into my colon, and they digest and turn into my blood stream as blood sugar, I don't get any energy. And my sugar just keeps going lower and lower and lower and lower because of a thing called partial paralysis of the stomach opening, gastroparesis. So I know what it is for the vagus nerve, that big nerve that goes down in your body, to automatically control your digestion because mine won't work sometimes. I've had to learn to do exercises to make it open up. The nerves in my heart lost their conduction about 22 years ago. My heartbeat starts in my upper right-hand chamber and then winds up at the lower left-hand chamber. Well, the nerves in my heart got where they wouldn't conduct electricity. And I had to have a pacemaker put in, which sparks my heart so it will beat 70 beats a minute. That's what it's set on. My heart eventually got in about three years to where it wouldn't beat one time without that pacemaker shooting that spark in. So the automatic thing of you taking for granted that your heart's going to beat, I can't take for granted. Because without my pacemaker, my heart won't beat one time. So this stuff about Jesus automatically doing things for us 
when he built our body, he built it to where it does some things automatically for you. You don't have to worry about doing so much of your movement of your body because your spinal cord and your brain takes care of it. There is a part of us that controls what we do. You have a certain amount of control over your body that can cause your body to do what you want it to do. That's from one end of Scripture to the other, folks. Remember, you have a choice. You have a choice. Some things are automatic. Some things you choose to do. Let me tell you something. In Psalm, maybe you memorized this when you were a kid. I did. And that Holy Spirit just brought back that word to me just that quick, and I had to find out where it was. It says in Psalm chapter 1 and verse 3, that a man who tries to follow the law of the Lord is like a tree that's planted by the river of water. In other words, it thrives. It's not planted out in the desert. It's planted by the water. So it's healthy. It's got plenty of water and it grows and it does well. And it says, we who try to be what God wants us to be are like that tree. And the last part of the verse says, And whatsoever he doeth, it prospers. God has granted you and me because we choose to follow God that our lives will be prosperous. That's automatic. That's one of the perks we get from being a Christian without having to ask for it. And Jesus does all that. Everything we come in contact in a day, He makes sure that it works for us. And He does that with every single believer in the whole world. And a lot of people who don't believe. In 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 12, it says, Show, show people by your good works which people see and glorify God. We're not given the responsibility by our God, by Jesus, the one who monitors us 24-7. We're not given the responsibility to choose everything. We've only got a small portion of our life that we have a choice about. 
and the next question just comes up automatically, what are we going to do about it? He takes care of so much of our life automatically without us even thinking about it. I think about it because I've got special needs. It reminds me that there's some things I can't eat because of blood sugar. There's other things I can't eat because my stomach won't open. Without a pacemaker, my heart won't beat. I've got a special reason to be so appreciative of God that he monitors everything about me and keeps me just alive. But so many take so much for granted. So what does all that mean, Brother Joe? Well, it comes down to this. With the small amount of our life that is not automatic, the small amount of our lives that we can make choices and that our body will respond to those choices in such a way that the Scripture says that your good works will shine glory on your God. The things you choose to do will give God the glory. The little bitty stuff that He left in there for us is where He gets His glory. He does everything else automatically. But our choices are the things that are noticed by other people, He says, and they glorify God because of the things we choose to do. You say to yourself, man, I wish I'd known that 60 years ago, you know. That's how important everything is. Every move we make, every action we take, everything we command our body to do. Glorifies our God. Has a chance to. And the fact is that we take for granted who we are. And that our heart beats. And that our breathing breathes. We gather each breath. I had a fellow explain to me that word consist means that without Jesus we wouldn't even inhale the next breath. So how close is Jesus to you? (laughs) I figured out how close he is to me. He's created by him, for him, and in him we all consist. One word, used one time in all of Scripture. And if he wasn't who he was, we wouldn't be who we are. We'd be a pile of dust on the floor. That's interesting to me, folks. I don't know how it strikes you, but it is one of the most interesting things I ever found in these Scriptures.
that I couldn't even be who I am. There have been times in my life I thought I was pretty cool. I couldn't even be who I think I am without him. Thank you for staying, Miss Becky. So that is a Bible concept that I have learned since I was standing before you last week. And it's the coolest thing I ever thought about. Let's pray. Lord, Lord Jesus, thank you for who you are. I thank God for making you who you are. And for you choosing to make us who we are. And every single thing that is created from a speck of dirt or a quarter drop of water on up or down, however it goes. And I thank you, Lord, for watching over me and doing all the things you do for me automatically so I don't have to use enough of my sense to ask for it. And I praise you, Lord, for that. And I thank you for that. In Christ's name I pray. Amen.